we're back hi i say we're back but like, it's always like i feel like we have to because it's so long whenever we put these out <laughs> we're averaging one a month yeah. though for this year so yeah. we're on track i guess for whatever arbitrary mark hi and i may have found the secret sauce to editing our episodes to make it just a wee bit easier and a lot bit faster about anything so if anyone wants to like edit these for us to make it even easier manny has the that would be <laughs> ravioli ravioli give me the yeah, formula. i can't be trusted to touch this audio because i can't even listen to myself speak so you know choices <sighs> my god um well just a little bit of housekeeping at the time of recording earlier this week it was our goodest judy kevin's a birthday and getting older. One year older, girl. Just a little One crustier. step closer to the grave, girl. How does it feel to be old? You know what happened on the day of my birthday? Um, not much, but um, I do like Duolingo. I have to send you the screenshots because some of the sentences that they generate are wild because literally one of them was like, why do we die? And I'm like, uh, this on my birthday, the day of mortality. On my day of birth? Like, <laughs> day of mortality. Hello. <laughs> um so nasty and so rude oh my god it was chill um i'm in between jobs at the time of recording this so she's been living her like homemaker homebody like carefree lifestyle exactly like i do Mm -hmm. a little bit of of maintenance chores and i have nothing else to do for the rest of the day um work very much in like my fake rich cover where it's like why do people have to work it's so easy not having a job like just (laughs) You know, because I did, I did a little bit of the math, and luckily, like you know, I, I can coast a little bit until my next job starts soon. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's been, it's been nice. Pro financial tip: make sure y'all got your emergency funds together, honey. You know, mm-hmm. we don't play around here. Make sure you're saving some of them coins just in case, because you never know. Exactly. Especially with all this like economic bullshit that's happening around the world now, it's and I'm like, like it's, it's the most crazy because it feels like when the, we were quote unquote coming out of the pandemic. It was like, oh my god, like the economy is gonna do such a turnaround, and like literally, they're like, we're reaching American economic recession levels it's again. Screeching halts. I'm like, <laughs> bitch, what? <laughs> like, right? I'm like, not my circus, not my monkeys. Jesus Christ, it's it's too much. Honestly, yeah, I just I can't even pay attention to it half the time. That's for another day. We'll report on it when it's already like three weeks <sighs> after it's been announced. You know, you know how we roll. Yeah. Um. Right. But circling back she's had so much free time we even had a little pre-recording session last week that we were like mm, it was fun but not this one we were, yeah. we, were we were planning our, vacation, very, um, and it was a little too personal so in a very typical ggt fashion we recorded an episode that had nothing to do with what we wanted to talk about and then it also just would not have made sense as a podcast episode and so here we are coming back to you in another recording uh Hopefully this time with more content relevant to a podcast. <laughs> yeah. We don't have like a cult following that wants to hear about us like tying our shoes. So it's like kind of have to talk about something. I know. Some sort know. of subject. But it is. It's interesting because I have had a couple folks reach out to me recently about like the pod. Um, especially people from like work and professional life, which is very which, interesting. So if you're listening and you know who you are, hey, girl. Um Welcome to the pod. <laughs> so sorry. I'm I'm gonna apologize yeah. on Manny's behalf. 
Right. But it'll be interesting because one of our topics for our, shall I say, our maxi challenge for the episode (laughs) is about code switching. So that may or may not be a great segue. We'll have to put that back in the pocket for later. Um, A little housekeeping for today, though, for our too many challenges, as we like to call them now. Um, so Summer Walker, I almost said SZA, like, who the fuck am I? Um, See, you read my mind because I was listening to SZA's SoundCloud, like the, yeah, that shit you turned me on to a few months ago. Mm. Get into it. Sorry. Give Summer Walker her flowers. So Summer Walker, uh, came out with Clear 2, the Soft Life EP, um, which is basically like, I guess you would consider it a sequel since it's literally named Clear to you to her, one of her original EPs, Clear, which came out like, honestly, f- like forever ago. I want to say it was like pre, pre-COVID, like 2017, maybe. It was mad long ago. Um, yeah, I can't find the exact date. Oh, it was 2019, 2019. Um, so I have been listening to it like fairly frequently. When I first did my first playthrough for it, I was like, know like this is okay it's fine like whatever um but you know i feel like it was more of like a grower not a shower if you know what i mean so mm-hmm. like the more i listened to it and some of like the specific songs that i was looking at which by the way i need to add um to the playlist to the music mentions playlist we're gonna do that right now um i was like oh my god these are so good i think probably my my top two is probably new type featuring childish gambino is probably my fave um, when I listened to that one, like when I first listened, I was like, oh, this is um interesting. Only because it really reminded me of um uh like Erica Badu. It was giving me very like Erica Badu vibes. Oh. Like um, and then in the song, she actually references you better call Tyrone. Which is like, if you've ever listened to anything Erica Badu, you'd know like that was like a very iconic live performance that she did. Um, and I was like, oh my God, like I love this. And like looking at the plays now, it's actually like a it's one of the more popular songs on that on the EP, which is like duh. Um, the other one that I really liked a lot was Hard Life. Um, that song just like had a really nice vibe to it. Like that's kind of like my explanation for this whole thing, is it just has a certain vibe. That's usually like, how as vague and music very arbitrary it sounds. It has a vibe. Right. Like, it's just a vibe. It is very, like, when you're driving in the car, it's getting, like... Like, I remember... So, like, last weekend, I had met up with, um, like, a, I guess you would call it, like, an ex-coworker. It's, like, a founder of this agency that I used to work with because they were in town. And I remember, like, we were walking to Charles, hanging out, catching up, and then we parted ways, like, along one of the bridges, and I went... I ended up going back to Cambridge where I parked my car. And then I remember just like putting my headphones in, walking across the bridge. It was perfect weather outside. I was walking, listening to the oh, EP, you were just getting like the moment. full. Yes, it was giving very main character, very the moment. It was it was such a vibe. It really was. Um, and the more like I actually got to pay attention to the song while I was walking, it was spectacular. Um, there is something just oh, going I'm, on. I'm a really walk. loving it. Yeah, there is something about just going on a walk for music where it's like, oh, I can finally hear everything yeah. now out of it as opposed to like when we're working or driving which it's still great to listen to music even then but it's like right. getting to sit with it more mm-hmm. hopefully well yeah. and then i also really liked pull up as well pull up was another fave and also to summer from cole the audio hug i thought that was also really cute too those are probably some of my faves the, the i mean the other ones are also like i don't think there's anything on here that i really like skip except for maybe the last one mostly because it's a commentary 
That being said, though, when I first listened to it, I was like screaming internally, like, yes, bitch, you better preach. Like, it's worth listening to. I think it's called Agayu's Revelation, which I think is her like spiritual coach that she references in the oh. um in the commentary. But it's actually really good to just like listen through once and kind of like hear. She's basically talking about like, I think the biggest takeaway was like she felt like she would always make other people crumble in relationships is how she described it. And like the spiritual like coach of hers that came to her, she was like, um, something, it was like using a metaphor, like when you're like as solid as a rock, you know, don't feel like it's your fault if everyone's fragile, like glass or something like that, you know? And it was just very like, it was just very like preach, you know? So it was the whole thing. And just, it it's nice. It's good. Go listen to it, please. Cause it's, it's fantabulous. <laughs> at me because there's, i think there's a little something in it for everyone okay yeah i was gonna listen to it eventually i'm usually like not great about being very timely with that but i do get around to listening whenever you recommend me something um yeah <clears throat> but i also as a last minute addition to music mentions because i didn't realize that it came out after <laughs> our last recording was that jesse Ware's newest album that feels good came out at the very end of april after we recorded last so i just want to give a quick oh really yeah it it came out did it, you tell me about that or no i can't remember well we talked about one have. of the singles from the album that because that was out oh, it was when we were talking that about was, okay chloe's album right so yeah the, um that the single was begin again part of the that feels good album um there it's very much she's leaning more into disco which is what her last album did but um you know she went for like longer songs but like overall like less like a quantity of less than because i think there's like 10 songs on the album but like it's like almost an hour-long album anyway um <clears throat> so yeah i just want to give a quick shout out i'll i won't go through the whole thing um but like shake the bottle uh was like very popular among that um freak me now is my personal favorite um freak and then it was me, like pearls me. for yourself begin again were all singles that she actually did begin again was the most recent single but like she had a few of these like from like a few months ago um so it was really just like this oh sorry it's like a 40 minute album but you know still the songs are a little bit longer than the mm -hmm. typical uh disco pop length um yeah and i'll throw a couple of those under the ggt music mentions as well link to the playlist in the podcast description yes so uh, all right I think well, that's our music mentions. what's up next pretty, kevin pretty efficiently got through that um so back in my little gaming corner news um it's been a minute since having one of these because truly there was nothing i was interested I know, in i feel like we need little jingles for our little like segments I, like like manny's music mentions and kevin's gaming corner i wouldn't want little, like, to them but i would love a little jingle exactly yeah if you have anyone, if has anyone a jingle who's out there. like a composer <laughs> you know musical talent um email gaygeekytires.com with any inquiries um we will probably not pay for anything yet until this ever makes us money so <laughs> gotta put that up front so none of y'all get too excited um so yeah basically the only thing that i and like 90 percent of nintendo switch owners are playing is legend of zelda tears of the kingdom um a sequel to breath of the wild which came out like five years ago or five almost six i think now it basically came out when the switch first came out right breath of the wild huge success 
won Nintendo Game of the Year at the Game Awards. Was that one of the original games for the Switch, actually? Mm-hmm. It came out with the Switch. Oh, wow. It was like a whole... Oh. It basically helped sell the Switch, in my opinion, because if you bought a Switch, right. 99% changed with that or Mario Kart, because those are the only games that came out with the, the Switch, pretty much, that were you know from Nintendo. Um, right. And so, like, in a slight unusual twist, instead of just doing, like, a new game or whatever, they went, like, for a full sequel. So, at first, it was, like, over the years of teasing it, it was like, so are we just getting the same game? Like, are they just reusing it? Like, what's going to feel so great that this has to be six years in the waiting and also $70 instead of a usual $60 price tag? And I'm not going to spoil anything, but, like, for what I've experienced at 65 hours of playing already, probably 70, um, it, it's it's great. It's great, to say the least. I don't put 70 hours into something if I don't like it, because I'd be crazy if I did. That's called a job. <laughs> um but no uh it was it's it's good um so i mean i guess like a little bit about it is that like you know new evil threat arises finding what happened to zelda kind of like the usual formula but it's like you're re-exploring like the whole kingdom and the land that you knew like six years ago um and they change a lot of it like there's obvious like you know landmarks and stuff so it's not the exact same thing everything's everything's like a little different so that way it's not like completely like you're retreading old water um mm-hmm. and you would get, you like, say it's kind of like how they did the pokemon remakes or is it like a new generation of pokemon i it's hard to say so like it ironically enough there is like the ones that no one played pokemon wise like black and white like that's where a lot of people got turned off from pokemon black and mm-hmm. white or Breath of the Wild, Black 2 and White 2, which were sequels for those, is what Tears of the Kingdom in. Like, it's a new... It's, like, the same mm. area, but new things are added. The story's still, like, different. Got it. It's, like, built up a on sequel, the original. if you will. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it is a... I think it's deserving of a sequel title. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, the... You get, like, a whole new set of abilities. It's crazy. Like, any memes on this game are, like... So, so a big thing about this game, one of your abilities, it's called the Ultra Hand. And you get this in the first, like, five minutes of the game. So, like... Uh, to me that's not a spoiler they also showed off in trailers um and what this ultra hand ability does is that you can pick up certain like a crazy amount of objects like you could put anything from like a board to like a tree log to like metal to like rocks like whatever the game is like okay this is a reasonable object for you to pick up and you could attach it with what i call mystical super glue because as long as another object can be attached like it'll prompt you and then you could glue them together and you could do this mm. to like make weapons but a big thing are like you can make these contraptions because the game introduced like all these new items where like you have springs and batteries and fans and wheels like it's like Bob the Builder, but with like medieval combat because you can make like these war machines that like shoot cannons or fireballs. And it's like insane what people are building. Like if you see the memes of like videos of all the crazy shit people have been making from like like giant war mechs to like hover bikes it's crazy oh, like damn. i'm so excited to see the speed running for this game because it's so cracked out like it's so <laughs> yeah, that's, it's that's, hard to explain that without, like, like chaos it. it's a lot it's yeah. really fun like as soon as it came out basically like my friends list on switch like exploded with everyone playing the same game like it's not as mm-hmm. often anymore where that happens where like i usually right. see like one or two friends on playing whatever to like 10 people all playing the exact same game and it's been yeah. kind of nice because i'm still also like I don't know a ton of the story like because there are like main objectives and quests to do to progress that but there's so much side content of like just exploring and finding like treasure or like shrines which are back which are just basically like these mini puzzle dungeons along dot along the map that you know you, you have to either 
do a puzzle to unlock or you just find them and they have their own treasure inside. It's I actually was because of my lack of employment when the game came out, despite popular belief, I did not quit my job to play this game. It just so happened to time up that way, though. Um, <laughs> it, worked it, out quite nicely. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's been a while since I've had that much free time to devote to like a video game. So I was like, "Ooh, I'm getting like a little right. burnt out on this. Let me like pause. Like I took like a like a day and a half or two day break at most from playing it just to be like, okay, like I've done so much exploring. Maybe when I pick this back up, I'll start getting to some other main stories. Nope, I'm still doing random ass side quests, finding caves, <laughs> like just you know and um a lot of my friends that i've talked to who have the game we're all like in this period of like well, we don't want to know exactly what things are in it so we give like these vague hints where it's like oh well, i went over there and i found something so you should go over there but like won't tell each other oh what God. it is it's like very like npc energy where it's like hmm i heard about a thing over there on the other side of the river but like i don't know maybe you should go look at it like because we don't want to spoil anything but we want people to find out like what we've seen and it's like a really fun like even though it's a single player game, it's kind of like you have this whole community around exploring and everything. So, you know, because it's like an open world game. Everyone's done something different, like like right. millions upon bajillions of different like decisions have been made by like individual people when you compare it. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. Yeah, I know it's been really popular on like Twitch, like in the, the past few weeks. I think probably the last time something like that kind of swept over like my um, neck of the woods of Twitch, shall we say, was like probably when the the open world Pokemon games came out. Which one, which one was Scarlet and Violet? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I would say, I mean, that's probably the last time I've seen that. Yeah. Pokemon's always like a pretty safe bet for everyone playing it more or less. I feel like, especially those ones, because it was like, excuse me, like a new open world game. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. a remake or anything like that. So, excuse me, like a little bit of a inner burp thing going around. Um, so yeah, inner burp. I I've been alternating between that. I'm picking Sailor Moon back up as my anime of choice. I took a break from it for a while just because like life stuff and everything, and like I can't like multitask while watching anime because it's subtitles only. So I have to like actually read. Team um, subtitles, by the way, subbed only. I mean, subbed only. I don't mind either. Like honestly, I'll listen to some if I'm watching something that's also in English. I still probably want subtitles on if they're done well but sometimes like i i like i don't mind an english dub if the voice acting is like good if it's really corny voice acting i'm not gonna want to hear it um not to say thing the voice acting the english voice acting i feel like is just like so cringe for the majority doesn't have either like i feel like that isn't as much of an issue nowadays because anime is like more popular than ever it feels like so if fair like like most you'll mostly get like serviceable acting it's not gonna like when i mean it's not going to be like the most amazing job but like it'll be much better than like what we used to get way back in the day it feels like so mm-hmm. i'm usually like team context on sub or dub <laughs> <laughs> for an unsatisfactory <sighs> answer yeah. so, i'm i'm definitely team sub like 99 percent of the time i'll look for the sub option well but i mean, I, I i only really watch very very limited forms of anime so maybe we should watch one together not even for content maybe because i think the only thing we've watched party together was like drag race which oh speaking of really quick uh breaking news uh oomph oomph gave me uh their paramount plus login so i have very little excuse now to watch all stars which i watched (laughs) i watched the first episode but i also 
kind of fell asleep at one point because it was really late. So I'm going to have to rewatch that. But now it's like I think I they have... put the first episode on YouTube for free, too. And then I just I didn't heard about watch that. it. And I'm like, figures when I finally get the streaming service it's on. You can't right, always start it for, it's free. for free, but now I can watch the rest of the episodes at least. And I can watch a past yeah. season if I wanted to, but I probably won't because it's not in the zeitgeist anymore. So why bother? <laughs> fair, fair. So, well, um, it's about time that we take a break, I think. Before our maxi topic. Then, yeah, before our maxi challenge for uh, code switching, we're going to take a little break and then we'll be right back you back. We're back, 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 back again. Um, quickly, just a little bit of housekeeping, oh. I guess, um, before we get into our maxi challenge today, which is code switching. At the time of recording, we actually learned today that, unfortunately, one of our icon, cultural icons, Tina Turner, has passed away. Um, just wanted to give a quick shout out to her because she is a cultural icon, deserves the best. And yeah, it's it it sucks, but you know, it's just one of those things. So I mean an icon know. has left us once again, but you know. Hopefully those that inspired make her by her less of an icon. Continue on her legacy. Absolutely. So for our maxi challenge. For the maxi challenge. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I guess our main topic, we want to do something a little different. Uh a little not something that's not just like in something in the zeitgeist or pop culture moment it's really just like an maybe a considered an evergreen topic but we want to talk about code switching uh for those who don't know like a brief kind of rundown uh and the way i interpret it is that it's kind of restructuring the way you kind of approach people when it comes mm-hmm. to conversation your mannerisms like down to like what you're just going to talk about the way you're it's really the way you're talking and the way you act Around other people mm-hmm. but you're doing it for a specific reason one way or another yeah. uh, we will kind of go into those specifics a little more um but it is something that happens mainly to really anyone who's like a minority like to or be it mm-hmm. racially uh sexuality or gender identity sexual identity um it's you know kind of one of those like it's kind of almost like a defense mechanism in a way Mm -hmm. like if you want to think of it in like a very abstract kind of sense um something that i always thought found it interesting on and we kind of it was one of like the first ideas that we kind of thought of putting like on our little special topics idea board uh to bring to the table maybe you know enlighten anybody who's unaware of it or wants to go uh, explore it on their own as a topic to learn or if you want to share your stories at our email geekygraphic mm-hmm. at gmail.com uh, feel free to do so <laughs> so um, we found an article from a while ago I don't even know I think we literally just probably honestly google searched code switching I don't. I mean well correctly we should probably say Kevin found an article oh so <laughs> it, it was me you found out I think it was you because I don't think I copy I don't think I clipped this I don't okay. think I might have honestly just when we threw it was just something to throw on there but um yeah it's an article from yes magazine um, I don't anything about them, so there's something mm-hmm. I shouldn't know. Email me about it because I don't. Um, but it's basically uh, is an article. This was made back in 2019, so a little old. But it basically it's considered an opinion article, I guess. But um, the way they kind of have it structured here, but it's basically talking about um this black woman's experience with having to basically teach 
to white students in a predominantly white space. And it kind of goes into like, you know, if you're code switching, are you acting authentically as yourself or are you putting on this facade? And, you know, it's not like you're not yourself. It's just that it's not like you're being fake or anything, I think, anyway. It's more so just like these uncomfortable and like these in a way unfamiliar predominantly unfair spaces so and it's how to kind of navigate that and mm -hmm. also like this pressure to like be professional and how like unfairly mm -hmm. it's like some or a lot in especially america like you can't quote unquote act yourself because there's racial biases against that so yeah mm -hmm. yeah professionalism is definitely like a part of it that i've been like coming at like I guess that I've been thinking a little bit more about lately just because well, of like very recently <laughs> my my job and like, you know, the kind of things that go along with like working for a large corporation and, you know, the various types of people that you will encounter. I feel like you kind of summed it up well in the sense that it's it's not necessarily about like not being authentic or not being yourself or not or or being fake. It's it's it really stems from like the African-American experience of, of almost like self-preservation and a defense mechanism against a dominant culture that for a very long time and still continues to like oppress people of marginalized groups, including queer people, including people of color um, and those of us who happen to be both of those things at the same time, um, also including women as well. So it's it's like a Although code switching, I think, was derived and kind of originated in like the African-American experience, I think it definitely applies to more than just that. It definitely applies to other marginalized groups, um, particularly like, I mean, it's interesting because when I was working on that Libros for Language project, which I think I may have like mentioned on the podcast yeah, at one you've point or another. Because well, I think you were working on that when we first started recording, so. Yeah. Um, so like a, another example of how code switching might apply is for for people who are multilingual or who are English language learners. So like the classic example of like your first generation, your parents might be migrants from like a Latin or Hispanic country and they don't really speak English well. And maybe growing up, you also, you know, might have came from there or were born in America, you know, whatever your specific case may be. And so learning English is very difficult. And oftentimes that is a huge barrier for people when you're living in America because the expectation is that everyone expects English and that if you don't, it's something wrong with you, not like everyone else yeah, around you. Yeah, you have to assimilate. Like it's honestly like code switching. Right. Could, you could think of as a form of assimilation because yeah. you're doing it to fit in with white America as opposed the to just The dominant like, culture, yeah. You know. So it's it's very, it's like, it's rooted in like some, some very specific like African-American experiences and nuance, but it definitely has far-reaching implications i think beyond just like you know don't act ghetto when you're in the office you know it's like an oversimplification you know what i mean like it's it's definitely a little bit more nuanced than that and it applies to more to more people yeah and it's really like and it kind of like it, it it also like has like goes into that territory of like this is such a like a dumb like obviously it's just a racial bias thing because the way you act as long as you get your work done and like like the way you talk like i don't know it, it's just like this, this wall of professionalism just feels like this whole extra like lock on the gatekeeping of mm -hmm. whatever like spaces there are for other cultures and people in america because it's like okay well you finally like took all the loans out or you finally did all the work to like have this degree for this job that we gate kept but now if you don't mm -hmm. act a certain way you're also not getting it like it's just mm -hmm. like really all the extra hurdles that 
people of color and like other minorities are like struggling against. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like when I think about so the fir- the first time that I had encountered this concept as we were kind of like talking about it a little bit like pre pod in in between in the break was like so when I was studying at Leslie University we had this class called bias and design um, and it was like a design special topics that basically talked about not necessarily code switching and things like that but it talks about how things like um, accessibility racial bias um, and how the dominant culture can kind of subvert um equality and equity in the things that we design so like maybe like a good like a, a design like what, what's a good like bias and design well, example facial recognition how it literally just did not recognize black people because yes they did that not is actually have... the perfect <laughs> like right that is the perfect crazy. example and actually as part of that class we had to watch this um this this documentary called coded bias which i reference quite often um it featured someone who actually studied at, at, at MIT their name was Joy Bellamwini um and they had basically brought up how when they were trying to use an ai model it would not recognize their face mm-hmm. and so um like that's probably a really good example of bias and design but anyway, kind of circling back to the whole code switching thing is like, that's where I first encountered this concept because I was describing some of my like approaches or strategies as like a person who may not always fit into those like boxes that people put on in the dominant culture. And I learned that it was called code switching. And I remember just having this revelation about so many different experiences that I had as a kid thinking about like being a biracial person having parents from like native countries in Africa and then also a mom who's white from the South and the very like almost like classically different clashing identities kind of coming together. Yeah. Um, And like one of the examples that I always like tend to think about, like when I was having that revelation was how when I was younger, my mom who was white was actually very, she, she was very aware of the fact that she was married to an African man and that her children were seen as black. And we typically lived in like, I would say fairly like white leaning, like neighborhoods for the most part. And when I was growing up, actually very coincidentally in the town that I live in now, um, it was still very white. It's, I mean, well, nowadays I feel like it's gotten a little, just a little bit diverse but um like the bear when i was growing up here of like yeah diverse it definitely was not um and i remember specifically her kind of like very typical um like you need to be home before the street lights turn on if you're going out somewhere like i need to know who it's with where you're going to be how long you're going to be there like planning it out like so that she knows i have a place to be that i'm not just like lollygagging around the neighborhood and in hindsight i realized that was because not because she was anti-fun or anti like mom or whatever but it was like i think she was also really smart on the fact that as a brown person walking around in a predominantly white neighborhood, it looks sussy for me to just be hanging out without a group of people yeah. or a place to be. Like, it was like a safety precaution. It was a safety mechanism, yeah. <clears throat> um, and so I, I, you know, growing up, obviously, I was like, ah, oh, you know, like let me be a child. You can't talk to you, mom. You know, um, yeah, very that. But in hindsight, I was like, wow, you know, like that actually makes a lot of sense, despite like how kind of like. You know, and whether or not that's the greatest parenting approach to that sort of problem is like an entirely other topic of discussion. But it's it was like one of those examples that I reflected on as a part of being in that class. And I was like, wow, like it all kind of like makes sense now. Kind of like the because there I had also had a sociology class, I think, when I was in 
community college that kind of also revealed some of those like in hindsight, helping me explain some like very interesting things about my childhood that I like was really annoyed with at the time. But as an adult now, I kind of look back on it and I'm like, this makes a lot more sense. Like why either I behaved a certain way or why people around me behaved a certain way. Um, yeah, it was, it was very interesting to think about to, to say the least. Um, but code switching, you know, kind of has like, it's, it's not something that people do intentionally all the time, I guess is the takeaway. And like more often than not, it, it happens. It, it, it's something that people do subconsciously unintentionally or implicitly. Yeah. You might not even know than, you're doing it if it's like slight enough. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it can happen as, as subtly as like changing the, the way that you speak, um, you know, using like uh, African, like AEVE versus like, you know, people used to refer to it as Ebonics. Now we call it AAVE, American, African-American vernacular English. Um, and using those in situations and speaking on things where it's like the way that you talk with your friends and how I would kiki with my girls is a lot different than how I would talk to my client, for example, at work or something like that. Um, it's interestingly been um, something that's also kind of coming up as I develop my personal brand a lot more and I become a lot like, I guess, public with my persona and start like doing like speaking engagements and like networking with people. Yeah. It also, it also tends to affect the way that you're perceived and the way that you perceive the world in some ways. Um, I think over time I've actually gotten better about recognizing when that's happening and sort of like not necessarily correcting it. That's probably not the right word, but making sure that I feel that like, if, if I notice something, it's, it's like a self-awareness thing. Like if I notice I'm doing that, I tend to like, kind of like take a step back depending on what scenario I'm in and kind of like, will kind of reset and re-engage if you will. Right. If I feel yeah, like I'm like, kind of slipping back into that. You're like, is this kind of like, is this something that I have to, is this a mechanism I have to use in this situation or is it just a reflexive something? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. And so kind of like being, being, trying to be as self-aware of those scenarios where I'm like maybe finding myself, um, regressing into like a, being very quiet in particular meetings or, um, not using language or ways of expressing myself that are natural to me, but maybe foreign to others and using that as a teaching opportunity for that person, as opposed to like a, a missed opportunity for me to express myself, I guess, if that makes sense. I think that's oftentimes like what it comes down to is like, if you, depending on how code switching works, and it's also different for, for all different kinds of people, yeah. right. Depending on what mechanisms you're used to using, but it's, Sometimes for me, it, it also it results in like a lack of me expressing myself authentically and using that as a teaching moment for that person that I'm expressing myself to, as opposed to me turning it into, you know, as, as opposed to not turning it into, but it becoming a missed opportunity for me to express myself and that person to learn about working with me and the way that I express myself. Yeah. It's like, you know, like if you like, try, basically it's like this confrontation, like, do I want to have a confrontation where they learn right. versus me just like letting it go or like putting your head down or something. Cause right. like, you know, we, we've been talking about it where it's like, you know, typically with the professional environment, like that's what the article was also going into is mainly like the work environment mm -hmm. or like, you know, cause again, it's like the, in academia in like, you know, office environments is usually where it's like the idea of like professionalism and the whiteness of it and like code switching to fit in with that. Um, mm -hmm. But then now it's like, you know, or, it always has it's not even just about those environments either it's like you could 
go to the store and the way you have to carry yourself in there might be entirely different than the way you are just like outside with Mm -hmm. like you said your friends or whatever you know like it's it's different for everybody um it's unfortunate that like these systems obviously have been put into place to kind of do that um yeah like and this this is the experience i've had with code switching is obviously entirely different like just you know one one that has been set up via racism over the years and then that's just the other pillar being homophobia that we've gone through of like code switching because it's like you know i like you know if you have gay voice like there are like gays who like have learned to turn that on and off like at will like like a superpower Mm -hmm. of sorts um yeah to blend in with you know their straight environment or in like whatever homophobic environment they may be in um where they Mm -hmm. judge stuff like that harshly um yeah like and you know because then the other half of like you know the way you carry yourself though your speech and mannerisms it's also like what you just talk about like you Mm -hmm. said like kicking with the girls versus like a lunch gathering amongst work colleagues is going to be very different and yeah i guess it really you know it is coming down to like you code switch because it's like you're trying to assimilate but it's also like do you want to be known and perceived like the way you are for the environment Mm -hmm. that you're in or do you just kind of want to like frictionlessly move through like whatever social obligation this is and like just right get on with it because the article also talks about how a lot of let me see if i can find the exact line so i don't mince words um you know kind of people of color moving through these spaces to learn and then when they essentially kind of are in their i don't want to say like their environment because that feels like way too separating of it but all but like Mm -hmm. basically code switch when they're in these like kind of spaces and then when they're out of them and kind of not having to code switch taking that knowledge and then applying it to whatever it may be you know like like kind of like you know like with the uh design biases it's kind of like you have to get into these spaces to get rid of all this other stuff that's like negatively Mm -hmm. affecting you know anyone that's not a white straight person so right I don't know if oh, you're talking sense, about but... the the quote that I like the like towards the end where it was like white folks don't see me coming because I've made them comfortable. I blend in enough to get my way exactly. to learn what That's I need yes. to secure what I came for. And then I go on and create and build in an unconventional way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably like the biggest thing that I like that I took away from this article that resonated with me the most because it fit a lot of like my kind of I don't know if I would call it modus operandi, but it was like there's there's a lot of baggage attached to like like for example in the design profession right it tends to be very eurocentric like the methods the history of it things like that and there's a lot of missing history i think in terms of contributions to design or maybe not necessarily missing but erased right um or and so when i think about like my craft or like as a designer like my role or my job like whether it be at work or just like you know being a designer is not just like a job for me anymore at this point it's kind of just learning about it and doing it also has just changed the way that i like perceive my surroundings and the people and and things around me like everything is designed at this point in this world you have essentially a peek behind you've had like this peek behind the curtain on like oh this is this way because of x and y is Mm -hmm. this way because of z like you know so it's kind of hard to turn that so, off and also like 
not yeah. keep the dots connected. Like Right. Especially when you start to learn about the designs of systems and systemic oppression and how that works too. Um, and so like for, for that quote where it's talking about blending in enough to get my way, learn what I need to secure what I came for, that's kind of like essentially how I've been operating ever since I started college. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get my degree because that's what they're telling me I'm supposed to do. Basically, it was like a, I felt this like overwhelming need to get all of the like as much as an uh, on as much of an equivalent level to say like a white counterpart of mine right like like let's say in a in a scenario like competing for a role right chances are if you don't have a degree you're not going to get the role and in in a lot of professions not all of them but a lot of them it's kind of like the classic like get the degree because it's the safer option not necessarily the best option yeah, right it's... that was my mindset going throughout college I was like I don't need a degree because I think I'm really good at my craft. I learned about it while I was on the job and doing it. And in a lot of ways, it actually accelerated my ability to go through like design training that I did and like learn about it in a more academic setting, which actually I'm, I think I'm a lot better for as a designer going through that stuff. Um, but ultimately realizing that a lot of the things that I did was not because I wanted the academic training of it that was part of it, but a lot of it was also informed by like knowing that systemically not having a degree, sounding the way that I do and looking the way that I do is going to count against me whenever I go for a role, no matter how diverse or equitable or inclusive the company says that they are. Um, so for me, it was kind of like, okay, let's check all these boxes. So that way, when I get to that point, I know chances are if I've checked all those boxes and I'm still not getting hired, it's probably because of the way I sound and the way that I look, not because I'm actually not qualified for the role. Um, and so when it comes to like now working and finding that like, actually, I don't have to, at least thankfully in my role, in my studio, in my locale and the people that I work with so far, I have not needed to like prove myself in that sort of like capacity, if that makes sense. Like the the work that I've done speaks for itself and the reputation that I have now is there regardless of whether or not people agree with the way that I sound and the way that I look and the way that I operate, right? And so the more I actually become confident in my craft and the way that I do things and my approach, my unique approach to design, which is what IBM specifically asked for when they hired me, I, I feel actually a little bit more empowered and emboldened to be my authentic self in that way because one, that's what they hired me for. And two, that's also led to the outcomes for the client that I've been with for almost a year now. Yeah, and I wonder how like community also kind of relates to that too because it feels like for the most part, a lot of people who code switch, like being of their, you know, race, gender, sexuality, whatever, um, tend to have like this because when you said also empathize with a group, even if they're not a part of it, I feel like mm -hmm. when you're kind of in a community, you have more of that experience of like connection with people. And so when you don't have it, it's almost like you kind of inquire as to, you know, almost like, why is that versus just like, mm -hmm. well, this is the way it's been for hundreds of years. And it's like, well, Dave, mm -hmm. mm, just because it's been like that doesn't mean it has to stay like that. Um, doesn't mean that it should. I think exactly. Because like you said, too, where a lot of design is Eurocentric. It's been like that forever. Bauhaus, mm -hmm. even earlier than that, like a lot of architecture is Eurocentric. Mm -hmm. And like granted, the Romans like invented concrete or whatever. But I distinctly remember like through all the years of architecture school, it's like you don't learn about like any sort of like, you know, African inspired architecture. You don't mm -hmm. learn about any like you, you've learned very little about like other cultures of architecture because mm -hmm. in America, 
the only thing that made it over here was all the European shit. So right. it's like kind of, you know, it's all connected by little mm-hmm. dots and strings of racism. It's fun. Yeah. So it all, it all kind of like comes back to that quote actually for me at the end of the article. Cause it's like, I'm a, like I'm a assimilate to a certain level to just kind of like survive in the dominant culture. But then after and then once up, I get to a like, certain point, that's it. I'm done. That's like, I'm gonna do shit my way. So like the farther and farther along I get in that journey, it, it's kind of like, it's starting to like exponentially like kind of hit that curve where it's like, okay, now it's like takeoff time. Well, and I also kind of wonder as we were like going through this and you were saying like, as time has gone on through what you've learned and your abilities and your thing, uh, your capabilities um, and like the product and work you've put out, how it's like, okay, so maybe just maybe I don't have to do this as much or when you catch yourself doing it. But I'm also mm-hmm. wondering if like we're finally seeing like this ever, ever so slight shift in how we are f- like framing and keeping up these like systems where people still have to code switch. Cause I'm like thinking mm-hmm. like are Gen Z kids code switching when they're kind of doing what they yeah. need to do. Like, I mean, obviously like there are still these oppressive systems. Like we don't have to, if you've been anywhere near the news and you're gay, you know what's going on. Like we the don't got to get that girl, it. girl. The girls, yeah. the girls are in danger and the girls that grow right. need the girls to help the girls. Like it's just yeah. so much. Um, right. But so, so that aside, um, I, I wonder though, because like, you know, there are like these huge corporate things that are saying they're doing this change and they don't, but then like on some smaller, more individual levels, like do we have people seeing like, like, cause at least I'd like to think that more, us white people are being a little bit more aware of like when these are happening and being like oh like you don't have to do that like at least ideally i like to think that's what's happening but Mm -hmm. you know because it is hard when black or a person of color like needs to vocalize when these like situations are happening where they have to because like again it's defense mechanism so they're either Mm -hmm. just going to do it or whether they're aware of it or not but they're going to do it because like they're already not feeling safe so to bring up like those moments, those teachable right. moments, which, and that's the other thing is that I know a lot of people say like, well, I shouldn't have to teach someone exactly. to act like not act like this, you know, mm-hmm. like they should just be aware. But then right. all these like different studies and things have shown that like, no, honestly, they still don't know. Like, it's really bad. <laughs> like mm-hmm. how, like how on like subconsciously it just continues on. Pervasive but, it like, is, yeah. But I, I do wonder like if eventually there's going to be just enough, like just, you know, younger generations like pushing back on like standards and all this other mm-hmm. bullshit, like in, you know, like kind of breaking that up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's kind of like happening like now, honestly, with like the Gen Z group. I feel like it Same may not necessarily fuck. be as like clear cut as code switching, but things just like pushing back on norms as far as like, you know, the nine to five and the going to college and yeah. home ownership and, and like things other societal like that. things that are just like a instilled. lot of those. Right. It, it's starting kids. to become, oh my God. right. That even that too, like the idea that like, you know, you have to be married by a house and have two kids by the time you're like <laughs> fucking 30 or something like that. Gays um, cannot relate. Sorry about it. Right. <laughs> At least not this Sorry gay. about it. It's, it's just one of those things where I think it's, I think it's to your point, like progress is being made, albeit slowly to the point where code switching is also, and at the same time that I'm feeling more and more confident and not doing it. Also, progress is being made at a much slower rate that is also making it, I, I find myself in less and less scenarios where I, I feel like I need to do that or I do it implicitly, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a scale of sorts where it still very leans very much on the individual to have to be able to recognize those scenarios as opposed to the people in their environment to be aware and hold themselves accountable for those things. Like, um, maybe like a concrete example of that would be because, because what happens is like, and I've seen this, I feel like particularly like amongst stories with black women, right. Where they may have less and less of tolerance for being environments like that. And when a teachable moment occurs, them teaching someone when they shouldn't have to is often seen as from, from the other perspective as sort of like the classic angry black woman sort of trope where they're seen as aggressive or conflicting um, like or abrasive. They're asking for too much, but really they're asking for like the bare minimum. Like. For human decency. Yeah. Um, and in those, you know, and in, in some of those <clears throat> like situations, it's like, or even with things like, um, like black hairstyles, like locks, right. And that being seen traditionally as unprofessional that, I mean, even that has like its own, like, <laughs> yeah, like a the lot history of, that. yeah, like, right. Just, um, there's, I mean, there is so much to unpack and, and the topic of code switching alone, like it's, it's all, it's just also it's like interrelated. It's one piece of a racist hole. Like, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like how to like spin it on a positive note. I mean, I, I feel like ultimately in my experience, like in my personal experience, I think I've, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of sum it up as like being able to navigate the ways of whiteness, I guess. And like understanding that oftentimes I'm operating in environments that are not necessarily built for me or accommodating of me, whether it's because of my blackness, queerness or both, whatever. Um, but also making sure that I be as intentional of surrounding myself with folks who are one aware of those things like I am, um, or if, yeah, or like being, making sure that I, I, whenever I am in an environment like that, I have like maybe not necessarily a buddy, but I have someone that I know that I can kind of like make eye, make eye contact with. You know, it's one of, it's one of those kind of like social interactions where you're communicating with someone across the room. Like, did this person just say some crazy shit like that? You know, or removing myself entirely from those situations because in a lot of ways, like code switching has the opposite effect of almost kind of being a kind of trauma in a way as well. Like, I feel like there's there's a lot more behind like code switching is a form of like a defense mechanism or self-preservation, but also like a trauma, potentially response. a form of trauma for some people mm -hmm. too. Um, particularly in the queer community. Like if you've like, if like gay voice, you know, that's one of those things that it's just like, even growing up, like you'll just be like, like I was made fun of for being gay. Like before I even knew what that was because of the way that I sound. Right. And so it was like, whatever, you know, the, the circumstances were that led to that person thinking that that was an okay thing to do is like a whole other thing. Um, but it also creates like, to your point, like when you're in situations where you need to sound more straight or like talk um, about like typical straight things, which then like, right. It clouds you know, like, Oh, ball. can I not? Yeah. Well, and then it's like gays that enjoy sports ball are suddenly like, is this like, am I not gay? Like, can I not do this? And like, right. Yeah. And you're, you're not the first person I've heard from to, where it's like they got made fun of for gay voice or got made fun of for being gay because it's like, I don't even know like what these stereotypes are or what these right. classification systems of society yeah. are right now. And it's like, well, I guess these are now imposed on me. Because I was like in middle school. And like, I was just switching. doing the thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I yeah, was just doing the thing. It's just like, it's crazy. And it's like, yeah. 
I mean, well, and then and also, so, like, also like, and like you said, sometimes like someone, if you're in a situation repeatedly and you're having to, you know, code switch to this like white agreeable kind of situation, mm-hmm. then it's like, you're just going to keep ending up in that situation depending on like how you're right. handling it. Like, cause the other yeah. person's never going to be aware. Like if it's a straight white man, forget about it. Like right. you We're have just to gonna spell it out that you're for like them. The best of duties and everything's cool. And then the second you bring up something that you don't like, it's like, oh, well, I, I didn't know about that. Or, you know, like, they, no, they become, people become you very didn't, defensive. Bill. Like, of course yeah. you didn't. I mean, um, in, in white gays do it too. Like, yeah. Also, like, they'll, yeah. you know, because it's the whole, like, well, I'm gay, so I'm suddenly exempted. I couldn't possibly but, be no, oppressive it's towards usually other people. <laughs> yeah. Us white gay men that will, like, co opt AAVE, like, when and just yeah. not know how to read that goes sometimes. back to like ballroom you know yeah the death drops and the dips and the, well, well, there's, that's still yeah that still's not worked out with the drag yeah. race girls that's apparently still right this hot button issue i don't know yeah. like i, I don't and I know mean, you know spinning off of that too is like even amongst other marginalized groups like when i find myself in a scenario where i'm around a lot of people of color who may not be queer or have that intersectional experience there also is like a code switching shift that happens between like you know essentially like for lack of a better term like acting more black you know whatever the fuck that means right like you even when you're amongst other marginalized groups, this this is why like intersectionality is a thing, right? Like it's it's more than just like being one or the other or being uh, being black and being a woman. It's like it's the distinct experience of being a black woman or a queer black man or something like that. You know what I mean? Like code switching can also happen amongst other marginalized groups, let alone like between marginalized groups and the dominant culture, right? The same thing goes like to kind of swing it all the way back to translanguaging, right? Like if you if you are in a scenario where um, you are an English language learner and you're having a hard time. Like it's actually funny because the more I think about translanguaging, the less and less differences I find between translanguaging and code switching, to be quite honest. It's like when you're in an, in an English speaking norm, if you are an English language learner or English is not your first language, translanguaging is actually a very common thing that happens because that's just how you like express yourself, especially with people who are, who are like you, who are English language learners, or it's not their first language. Um, and like this, I mean, that also kind of affects like your, um, your job prospects and things like that, especially in, in design. It was actually funny. Cause I was, I was just listening to a, another UX podcast. Actually, you'll be so proud of me. I listened to a podcast, like wow. a, another podcast. Um, I, I wish I could shout them out. I'll, I'll probably put a link to that, the, to the, to the episode, but it was basically talking about, um, oh, oh, here it is. It's called honest UX talks. Um, and basically they were talking about, so the episode was specifically about navigating a UX career as a non-native English speaker. And I remember thinking about to my time, like working on that translating pro- translanguaging project and things like that, because all of it is just so much like translanguaging is code switching. It's just a very specific kind of it, if you will. Um, in the same way that like a gay person might try to like tone down their gay voice and like sound really straight and deep in their voice so that they don't you know what i mean like it's 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 very that it's just you do it with the words that you're speaking in a different language as opposed to the tone of voice i guess so to say yeah because it's basically you're at that point when it comes to like learning another language and being like in like surrounded by that environment it's like you have to it's like your only way to communicate depending on how well you are picking up or learning right 
what resources you have because like right. a lot of it can also come down to like well someone might have had to immigrate to here emigrate immigrate to you know like america like united states let's say um which nowadays i don't know why you'd want to we are not that great <laughs> here but that's something else right um and you know like a lot of schools like or at least like most schools like depending on like how populated of an area you're in and also like the surrounding demographics will have like an esl class um to basically mm-hmm. help accelerate the kids who are attending it to pick up english and learn it and then they have right. to then be a translator for their family because like that right. like you know like god forbid you could help like the rest of the family that is here with learning this language that they are surrounded by <clears throat> right but you know again it's like those resources for well, and then also that that kind of just also it's like you're helping them assimilate, but what can, you know, the community around or other people can do to make it more accommodating for them where they don't feel like they have to like code switch essentially. I guess it's like mm-hmm. another is another way to look at it because like, you know, for years everybody's just assimilating to white English speakers. So mm-hmm. and everyone's always afraid, like, oh, like soon America's gonna be speaking Spanish. And I'm like, well, it's not like English was like the native first language of America anyway. So, you know. And that's you know, I mean, yeah. Sorry, that kind of ran away. I don't remember what the point was I was trying to make, but yeah. The- I feel like code switching kind of leads to that. Like it, it leads to this sense of like um, they talk about it in the article, but it's this it's the sensation that I always kind of have is like, I, I, well, I think part of it I do attribute to code switching, but I think another part of it is just like the way I am and very being highly self-aware and almost kind of having, I kind of describe it as like living my life in like third person almost. <laughs> like if you've ever like played those, those games where it's like you see your character in front of you, but literally you're actually in controlling Minecraft, third person vote. It's like, who is that? She's yeah, me. I am her, but who is that? Right. That's, that's almost like pretty much my like life story is like, you're going I'm on just autopilot. Kind of like my own. You're yeah. autopiloting, and you're in the passenger seat while your autopilot's going on. Right. Um, and in the article, they actually use a quote um, from W. E. Du Bois. I think if I'm looking at the article correctly, and it comes from um, in his most celebrated book, "The Souls of Black Folk." And it says, the, the quote says, um, it is a particular peculiar sensation, this double consciousness, this sense of always looking at oneself through the eyes of others, of measuring one's soul by the tape of a world that looks on in an amused contempt and pity. One ever feels this Tunis, an American, a Negro, two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled strivings, two warring ideals in one dark body whose dog strength alone keeps it from being torn asunder. Which the first half of that is probably like more resonating with folks than the last half, because obviously the last half is very specific to the black experience. But like overall, like the first half is very kind of that that feeling that I described of like living life in third person where you're kind of like looking behind you, always anticipating how others perceive you, but also understanding that you well, you may not start with this understanding, but I think as I've done it more, I also understand that like. I don't have control over the way people perceive me and thus, you know, in terms of, you know, like the serenity prayer, which is very classic, um, you know, give me the strength, you know, what, what, what was the fuck? What was it? It's like, give me the strength to control something. Basically it talks about how like, um, the serenity prayer in its essence is like, give me the strength to control the things that I can. And 
to let to be able to let go of the things that I don't have control over. Oh, okay. I kind of know what you're talking about. I'm paraphrasing it really terribly, but that's it, like the essence of it. I, I think I've it's heard basically that before. Like let go. I yeah. went to Catholic church, so I mean, if it wasn't yeah. about how terrible sinners we are, it wasn't going right. to be taught. But yeah. Um, um, so it's kind of like the more the more as I age and become a wise old, <laughs> <laughs> I find that. Having that lack of control over some of the environments, the spaces, the people, and the way that I'm perceived in the world is not is is less and less of a burden on me, and at least should be more and more of a burden on the others, if that makes sense. Well, and yeah, because so, like yeah. for a, I guess to kind of translate that, it's like, well, here I am. Uh, this white colleague of mine is being like microaggressiony, or just you're in a situation right. where it's like. I'm about to code switch, but then you stop and it's like, well, do I want to just like act the way I'm going to act, say what I'm going to say and not really care about like his response just to say, yeah. just to make him feel better, right. you know, like, yeah, because, yeah. you know, people got to learn and everything's catered to them. Um, and people like us make those decisions every single day is the, the thing about code switching is like, it's a constant thing yeah. that's just kind of there. And um, it's like exhausting, I'm sure. Like, mm -hmm. like of the the white gay code switching that I do, like when I, because I've my last few job environments have all been very straight and narrow. Let's just say. Mm -hmm. Um, so mine was always like, you know, coworkers being like, oh, so what kind of girls are you into? And I'm like, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, Ugh. but then I'm like, I just want to like draw these lines, get this work done, and go home. Right. So then, of course, like I. I've become, but then of course that makes you look like you're not engaged or you're not friendly or you're, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's almost like kind of like the same thing as like the angry black women. Although like, obviously you're not black, but it's like, it makes you, <laughs> or woman, it makes other people perceive you as you don't care about your job or you're not a people person or you're, yeah. you know, and it makes I, you seem like the abrasive and aggressive person, not the person who's like essentially yeah, actively being harmful. Yeah. And like, it's so weird because I've talked about this with another friend actually where, people like i mean i get the whole like being friendly and cordial however it's like i find that like to what point yeah, yeah to, to what, what point where it's where like, do we draw like it's line. one thing to go and be like oh hi how was your day or like oh like hi lovely weather how was your weekend mm -hmm. versus like what kind of girls you into how how right. does your hair work so i'm sure a lot of black people get that question a lot yeah. um, or can i touch it oh my god <laughs> and um you know, yeah. so it's like it's like there's a point where it's like this is more of just pandering than being nice is what right. it comes down to. Because being around like a ton of straight men, I just end up lying and being like, huh, yeah, women <laughs> like I, however yeah. convincing it was. I don't know. But like it right. just just to code switch pass on from like this useless conversation about and objectifying be, women yeah. and then like just getting on with my day. Yeah. Um, the way that I like to think of it now that you say that is like for me, it's a matter of pick your battles. Oh yeah, Pick your battles. Like sometimes you just like you know what? It's not worth. It's the energy. not even worth it. Like just pick the battle. Which... Pick the battle definitely because, yeah. especially like the more people you encounter, the more people you work with, the different environments you end up like. Even like even like different like cultural like settings. Even sometimes like when I think about when I went to the shipyard, right, or like when I was oh, working with my client, like steel toed boots there. <laughs> their like culture there it's, it's just it's its own this. thing um you know and i never really felt like it was like inherently um 
like anti-black or, or anti-queer in, in that sense. Um, but it does still have a bit of a like a, a like a not maybe not like a classic Southern it sort has of undertones of maybe like it has some undertones straight, of like, like that kind of like residuals, if you will. Well, because you know? it's also like what preconceived notions of these environments do we have? Because like I go to a shipyard, I'm like, probably be like some straight tradesmen here, like real yeah, rough types. Exactly. Maybe some of them are DL right. because of the whole meme of it all. But like, you know, right. open up the grinder, see who's DL. <laughs> like, right. like, you know, like when, when I think about like, especially when I was doing my research, right. They kind of like circle back to like my craft and the way that I do my, my approach to design research is I notice these things because I'm, I'm the person who you ends up in an environment. It. Like you've lived it. You're currently living in it and you're going to be right. living in a little bit longer. Um, so I think what actually kind of helped me in those scenarios though also was like my mom is southern and so i'm i'm not a stranger to some of those like you know maybe expressions they might use to you know explain certain things or or, like or the way that or... they speak their accents right i don't i don't really have like a boston accent at least i don't think i do and so like whether you know when i'm in those like i mean that's probably actually a really great example of code switching is that i've noticed depending on like especially when i like i'm traveling in the south or like if i'm in the south my accent does start to shift a little bit. Now, whether or not that's because, like, you know, I was born this way, like, my mom is from the South after all, right? Like, it's probably in there somewhere, like, regardless. Coded but also, it comes DNA. out more when I'm around people in that same scenario. Um, and the opposite kind of happens when I'm, like, in my more, like, Bostonian environment with people. You, you know what I mean? So it's it's a combination of... Being like in in that in that in those specific scenarios, like when I was working and doing design research, is like because I wasn't as foreign, I guess, or like some because that was the other thing too. You know, it's like when you when you walk into these environments and you do the kind of research that I was doing, if you're like wearing a suit and you're some like corporate schmuck, basically <laughs> like walking into a shipyard and you're walking around looking like a lost dog, like you know, you're gonna stick out like a sore thumb and people are gonna look at you funny. Um, which I mean, it's, it's probably not, you know, the, a good thing, but I also realized that like the, ever since the first time I went there, the second time I went back, I blended right in. It was like, I was a shipbuilder. I had my, you know, my hard hat, my safety glasses, my steel toe work boots. Um, I even figured out how to navigate the shipyard like by myself. So like, I didn't have to have my client like shuttle me around places. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, th those, those kind of things, like like bringing it back to code switching is like you re you realize like depending on the catastrophically different environments you're in like how actually subject you are to those kind of things um and sometimes in some cases it actually works to my advantage um particularly when it comes to doing research and empathizing with people that i'm trying to understand well i guess since that's a more positive note maybe we could park it there yeah but i mean there is i mean there is so much it, more to unpack yeah well code switching is again like one part of like all these other like yeah kind of terms and systems and mechanics to whatever broken oppressive system we got going on right. um but yeah i mean i think the and you know ideally hopefully this helped anybody listening like identifying the stuff and being more aware of it whether you're black mm. white straight gay whatever you know whatever you got going on as long as it's like hopefully like not like trying to have an after school special here, but it's, you know, I think an interesting right. topic and it's like one that you're either very aware of 
because um, mm-hmm. you've experienced it so many times or you're actually not aware of it, but you still have been a part of it somehow. Right. Um, so, yeah, hope y'all kind of liked a little different uh, direction for today's episode. I mean, we still do we our little a very challenges. serious angle yeah. today. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely like, yeah, it's yeah, a little more. It's more serious, but I mean, like, more. we're not like, yeah. you know, we're not shaming anybody. I mean, unless you're, you know, that straight white guy who just keeps making dumb ideas or doing dumb shit. But mm-hmm. um, I can't imagine that's like a uh, the chads, if you will, the chads, the bills, the teds. I can't imagine that's a high demographic for this podcast, though. But I mean, hopefully it's like just again, like a little learning note to go out on. Uh, maybe we'll maybe somewhere down the line, we'll pick another fun topic to mm-hmm. ramble on about a more evergreen one with discourse. Yeah. But I think that's it for today. Mm-hmm. What did you say? Yeah. So uh, as usual with that, all of our music mentions from earlier today, including um, Summer Walker's Clear 2, the Soft Life EP. Um, I put some of my faves in the music mentions playlist as well as Kevin's. Um, some of Kevin's faves will be put in the mm-hmm. from Jesse the Justin Bear album. Um, and... Yeah, next month is Pride Month, or actually at the time of recording, this this will probably come out like right before, if not during Pride Month. So happy fucking Pride. Happy be Pride. Be gay, be queer, be yourself. Um, also stay safe because it's getting wild. Safe, yeah. It's getting wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll see y'all next time. We actually, on our break, as maybe a possible sneak peek, thought of a topic for mm-hmm. our next episode. Um yeah so you have that to look yeah. forward to in a month <laughs> yeah should we leave them with a little teaser a little a little like, i don't a know little, because i feel like there's a, a chance we get there we when we probably get like, to it, like well Ugh. so <laughs> there's always a chance that well because we all we also learned very quickly right. how hard it is to i guess maybe the teaser is it's hard to schedule during pride month so we were literally trying to pick yeah. a date to record while we were on our break we'll so leave it at that we'll leave it at that that's your sneak peek <laughs> fucking calendar problems but anyway yes and as always you can email us at gaygeekytired at gmail.com if you want to email us about anything we talked about share your stories whatever feel free especially if you have an example of code switching i think that would be very interesting yeah if you Um, listen to this and you had an epiphany and you're like wow i'm code mm -hmm. switching right now tell us (laughs) like tell us about it yeah all right Stay safe, y'all. Bye. Stay safe. Happy Pride Month. Bye.